This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, the Friday night preview show, because of course it is Friday and it is the Chelsea Fancast. And I am, of course, Stamford Chidge uh, to guide us, to navigate us through the choppy waters of a preview about Chelsea Football Club's match this weekend. And uh, as ever, I am aided and abetted by uh, the, uh, um, I'm just trying to think of a suitable Rear Admiral, uh, Rear Admiral Kid. <laughs> Aye, aye, Captain. Oh, no, sorry, that would be a rating, wouldn't it? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you'd be yeah. able seaman, kid, then. Able and then we would have lots of knob jokes getting in the show very early, you know. Uh, I resisted the temptation, mate. And a hornpipe, no doubt. Oh, indeed. Horn- yes, hornblower, indeed. <laughs> I told you we'd get knob gags in there. Anyway, Already. enough. Enough. Immediately, immediately one in. Uh, thank you. Love to be on the show. Looking forward to Mr. Yeah. Football. I went to the women's game last night. Did you really? Was- yeah, I did. It was fantastically awful, both at the same time as being fantastic. <laughs> it was awful because the, their football in the end was just booting the ball down the pitch for uh, um, for Sam Kerr, who I have to say is a really interesting centre forward, really classic centre forward. Brings the ball down and heads it under enormous pressure. Very Her hold up play is excellent, isn't it, Jake? Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. I felt that some of the first, the blokes first team could take, take, um, if they could do that, they could take pride in it. You know, she was an example. Yeah, absolutely superb. But it, it was it. They all got knackered just booting the ball down the pitch for her to run onto it. But it was uh, it was all very peculiar. And and very briefly, I felt the referee bottled it at the end because I think um, Berger, the goalkeeper, uh, left the line before the ball was kicked. But because everybody went berserk, because she stopped and started speaking to VAR. Everybody went berserk. They almost went, oh, sorry, it's too late now. They probably said, I'm really tired and I need to go to bed. I think when I think of what it was, is also, why didn't the linesman give it? Because it was standing there and it yeah, was so quite. obvious. I know. But anyway, but it was... it was, um, foot on the line 
apparently. Yes, yes, but she died. She for had one foot on the line, which is enough. But she still did, did she? But it, she's got a very elongated yes, spider so. leg, hasn't she, Burger? So, but it just looked a bit dubious. But um, the the atmosphere was great. Uh, it was fantastic. Completely different style of watching yeah. football. You know. So, anyway, my dear old thing. Great to be on the show. Thank you, Gigi. Who have we got on? Oh, there are others on the show. Are well, there? I think oh. we know now, don't we? But oh, we know, we, let's, we know. let's suspend disbelief for one yeah, second. Yeah, suspend disbelief and say, I didn't know there was anybody else so on the show. It, are there people but, on the show tonight other than you and me? Be. God, I had yeah, no idea. I heard a couple of little voices. Um, I think one of them might be um, Grocer Jack himself. It might be the uh, the marvellous one half of the Smut Buddies. It might be. It might be. I'm not sure if it is. It might be the irrepressible Tony Glover. Is he, is he in the square window? He is indeed. I'm going to look. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yes. I am, yeah. And I, I'm resisting the temptation to say the word Yemon yeah, after everything. Yemon. Yeah, where have you been, Tony? Tell yeah. everybody where you've been. Uh, I've been to Jamaica, Mexico, um, Grand Cayman, uh, Belize, Honduras. You've been on a cruise, uh, haven't you? Guatemala, Mexico again. Yeah. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. I'm, Liam's sitting there thinking, Christ Almighty, where have you been backpacking? No, it's just a cruise. But you know, I still visited those places, and I still, um, I, I, I'm still reeling from the the cultural experience of um, of of seeing Central America and Cuba. Cuba, indeed, my word, what a place that is. You know, so um, any future visits to the states will now have to be on a proper full visa, apparently, because. Um, I have visited a sponsor of state terrorism, as uh, according to Donald Trump, who put the law in before he got booted out. But yeah, so Cuba was really, really interesting. Havana is a a very interesting uh, paradox in some ways of, of of development, riches, and absolute poverty. You know, so. mm, lovely stuff. Yeah. Always lovely to have you back amongst us, Tony. And uh, we have a, a very special guest as well, don't we, J.K.? Very. Very weird. Weird. We're a bit, you know, not quite in all, in all, maybe. That's the word. I am in all. Have you got yeah. his autograph? And uh, I'm well. I can never get it. It's so elusive. Mm. He he sees me and he runs. I get it. You know, I I mean, I remember sticking my fingers up to him when I sat next to you because you have a very good line <laughs> of sight. He might remember this too. Actually, I don't know. Should we ask him? We, I'm afraid we both did it. <laughs> we did, didn't we? Actually, we did. We did. We did. <laughs> <laughs> it's all been downhill ever yeah, since I've, I've never been invited back funnily enough yeah. <laughs> i think it's also because you stood up and used the c word <laughs> yeah, but it, was, it was a justifiable use of it they tried to kill gary cahill absolutely justified but how god that going back a bit it isn't, is, it, isn't it, it, since, you, since you sat with me blimey no i've been i've been since then no you have you have you have uh, but it is of course the um the the uh, terrifically informed and writer of of terrific articles. It is of course the excellent athletics, and of course straight out of Cobham, which he does as well, which is excellent. Um, it is of course the terrific Liam Toomey. Pleasure to be back, guys. I haven't been anywhere interesting recently. I went to a field this morning with a, <laughs> with a dog um, and and got a shower. I I thought Tony, when you were listing all those countries, you were either on you know, a voyage of cultural discovery or you were quietly moving offshore funds, one of the two. <laughs> Probably uh, the latter. I'm not clever you. enough to move. I'm not clever enough or rich enough, but I did, I will say <laughs> this about Grand Cayman, which is, of course, a tax haven. I would say that uh, we were in a, a little boat going out to this Stingray City, which is a sandbar where you can just go in and swim with the Stingrays or whatever. And they drove us out through some, I shall say, billionaire properties where I took one look and thought, 
I was sitting there on the boat thinking, yeah, this isn't bad. I'm on a Caribbean cruise. I've not done too badly in life. Oh, oh dear. And then you're looking at these big old drums as you go past these massive houses, which were sort of, they're in the Roman Abramovich kind of money bracket. Um, I gather he still has a yacht parked there somewhere. But it was, um, yeah, you just sit there and think, oh, well. <laughs> Lovely. You see these places. Rather than oil well. Yeah. Oh, very good. Very, very, very good. Um, Liam, it's lovely to see you as all, as always. Um, so, uh, I mean, just to give people a go, idea of what we're doing, we've uh, we're going to have a, a roundup of ye old Chelsea news from this week, including uh, really just a couple of things that caught my eye this week, which is Chelsea's big loss and the implications for FFP, and see so if we can debunk a few. Uh, kind of wrong wrong uh, opinions on that or wrong uh, prognostications on that. Uh, then we had the whole Earl's Court versus Stamford Bridge uh, thing kicking off this week, so I want to debunk a lot of the nonsense with that. Uh, and then just to keep JK amused, we are going to talk about Potter's Presser. <laughs> I know he's looking forward to it. Uh, part two, uh, we'll probably say cheerio to Liam, and then uh, we've got uh, Opposition View is back! Yes, it's back! Largely because the lovely person who is Justin Hawthorne from uh, Aston Villa's Up the Villa, he actually got in contact with me, you see, and this is half... The... If they all got in touch with me and said, yes, we'll be there at half seven, it would work, and because I wouldn't have to do anything other than be here, but... Justin, I'm afraid, is the only one who does it. And he does it because he likes talking to us so much. But sadly, I had to pre-record it because he wasn't available this evening. But uh, I will slip that in uh, in the edit, as they say. And in part three, we'll be previewing the Villa game ourselves, as as we always do. We always finish up with previewing it ourselves. Now, let us start. Let us pray. Uh, no, let us start with the, uh, the news that hit the... Uh, the the airwaves and the Twitter feeds and all of that this week. And I will quote... I'm quoting from The Athletic here. And by the way, Liam, I forgot to mention, nearly every week JK plugs The Athletic and in particular your articles. I think he's your biggest fan, mate, actually. You know, he's so not. When... He's my agent. We've been <laughs> over this. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Anyway, I'm quoting from The Athletic's piece on this, um, which says that... Uh, um, extraordinary expenses and loss of revenue due to UK government sanctions on Roman Abramovich last spring contributed to their net losses of 121.3 million for the 21-22 financial year, which are the which are the latest figures out. However, our turnover for last season increased to 481.3 million from 434.9 the previous year. Due and uh, the club are, are, are basically been saying all week. Stop getting your knickers in the twist. Um, and, you know, this is down to COVID, which certainly this year, would, that year would have been affected by. And then, of course, the, um, uh, the uh, you know, the sanctions, the government sanctions that, that came in, although there'll only be a little bit of that last financial year. But anyway, they do say, due to the sanctions on Abramovich and restrictions on Chelsea, the West London Club predict that some of these limitations are also expected to have an impact on the financials in the following year due to the long-term impact from restrictions on entering into new contractual arrangements. It's, it's clear that if you stop a club from earning any money for like four or five months, it's going to have an impact. Now, for all things sensible on these things, you need to go no further than the absolutely brilliant Kira Maguire, who is on the equally fantastic Price of Football podcast. I think he is the dog's bollocks when it comes to football finances. Because everybody was saying... Well, we're screwed. We're all going to go bust. Um, we've been spending too much money this year. We're going to have to sell everybody to pay for it. But most important of all, we're going to fail the FFP, not just with UEFA, but also the Premier League. Well, Kevin says this. He says, a quick, a quick look at the Chelsea headline figures 
of the 121 million loss overall due to COVID, the 20 and 21 figures are combined and then halved. The assessment period is year one, 2019, year two, 2020 and 21, year three, 2022. And yes, the losses are staggering, but it gives a three-year rolling loss of 283 million until the 30th of June, 2022. And then we can deduct infrastructure, say 10 million a year, women's team, 5 million a year, academy, 15 million a year, and community, 3 million a year, because that won't count. And then you take the PNS loss to 184 million. COVID costs are about 127 million, so that reduces the loss to 57 million, which is well within the limit. Are you still with me, people, or are you already asleep? Uh, but there we go. Um, I think that's a pretty good summary of it, Liam, but we always trust your judgment on these matters. What, what's, what's the kind of truth behind this? Are we in trouble? Are we likely to fall foul of FFP? Or as Kevin is saying, actually, we've got nothing to worry about. It's all under control. Well, I, like you, defer to uh, people people like Kieran Maguire. And, um, uh, sorry, sorry, yeah, it is Kieran Maguire, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and um, Kieran O'Connor as well, Swiss Ramble, mm-hmm. who's superb. Um uh, doing this he's actually just gone on Substack. um that may be a subscription i have to fork out for because he's he's well, absolutely likewise. excellent he's, he's brilliant. Yeah. um but yeah i i defer to their expertise when it comes to this particularly because when uefa's ffp is always a rolling um three-year calculation with a with a maximum amount you're you're able to lose that calculation has been more complicated over the last couple of years because of covid um, for every for for every club, you know that you've got suddenly got all these allowances that UEFA have have put in, um, which means you you need specialist knowledge on this stuff more than ever, and this is why football clubs have teams of lawyers, um, and and well teams of accountants and lawyers working behind the scenes to 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 make sure this is all in order. Um, the other thing I think that feeds into the popular reaction when Chelsea come out with a loss like this is that. People don't understand there's a lag time for clubs reporting their financial results. These are the results up to June 2022. We are eight months past that now. And Chelsea have spent 600 million on transfers in in the eight months since um, on transfer fees in the eight months since these results. Um, so I think people are just thinking of that and thinking, how is this possible? You know, how how which is understandable, but you have to you have to acknowledge that there is a lag time between these results being collected and being published. Usually, I don't know if you remember, in the Abramovich era, they would bury the release of these results on New Year's Eve. They would do it at the end of the calendar year for whatever reason this year, and maybe this is what the new owners are going to do going forward. They've pushed it right up to the end of the financial year, um, the, the end of March limit for them to be able to publish these results so people like us um journalists who have been have been waiting for these financial results for three months uh to find out what they what they say um but i think the the bigger question is not whether chelsea will fall foul of ffp based on what they did up to 2022 it's will they fall foul of ffp going forward um based on what they've done with the new owners um and we can't know that yet. Yeah. We we just cannot know that yet. We we do know that, you know, that Bowley and Clear Lake have been adamant and consistent throughout that while people may not necessarily see the strategy from the outside or or maybe just not agree with the strategy, that there is 
still a strategy to what they've done um, with this kind of front-loaded transfer spend in the first year of their ownership. And they, they're also adamant that they um, will comply with FFP and the Premier League's financial controls and, and, and all the rules that are in place to govern spending. But I think there probably will be conversations with the Premier League and with UEFA about what special allowances can be made for what Chelsea went through in the final months. My next question, that has to count, doesn't it? Well, uh, and and the key aspect of this, I think, which will probably be batted back and forth between the relevant parties is how much does it count? Um, Because this is an unprecedented situation. You know, there are certain things that are pretty clear cut, you know, tickets not sold, merchandise not sold. I'm sure you can come up with projected figures for what that revenue would have been that you've lost. For other things like when the statement references in passing, it doesn't mention Antonio Rudiger and Andreas Christensen, but it clearly alludes to them when it's talking about contracts you can't negotiate. How much leeway do you actually get from UEFA or the or the Premier League for that? Because they could just as easily turn around and say you were sanctioned in February. You could have signed these guys up before then. Um, obviously, you couldn't see this coming. No one could. Uh, so there, there, there are certain things like that that are slightly more of a grey area, I think, but... I, it would surprise me if there weren't some sort of allowances given for the unprecedented stresses on the business that Chelsea experienced towards the end of last season. I mean, the other thing that occurs to me, um, <clears throat> which of course doesn't come through, and even Kevin's, uh, sorry, Kieran's guilty of this a little bit. Um, you know, he's got Chelsea's P&L for, from 2019 to 2022. I mean, he's doing it to illustrate his point, which is to be fair. He then came out with another tweet around the same time, which is Chelsea becoming the first Premier League club to make a loss of over a billion... £1 billion? doesn't really work on radio, does it? I'll do it again. £1 billion. Yes, you need your Dr. Evil face on, don't you? Well? Yes, one of you. Yeah. Shall I explain that you were being... Um, Dr. Uh, Evil. Character Dr. Evil <laughs> in the films. Yes, I was very badly. No, but, no, anyway, but he had his little finger in his mouth. Everyone. One yes. billion pounds. Anyway, uh, we are the first club to top uh, the one billion pounds worth of losses, um, which sounds horrific. But I, I mean, the question I've got for you, out kind of coming out of that in a way, Liam, is again, I think you have to look at Chelsea completely differently because we are in year zero territory here. <laughs> Bowley and co come in. It's a clean slate. The, the, any accumulated losses from the Roman Abramovich area have disappeared, have they not? They're not incurring that debt. No. Um, I mean, it, it, the the slate isn't wiped clean from an FFP perspective because it's a rolling three-year calculation. So for the next two years or so, the tail end of the Abramovich era will feed into what UEFA consider. Um, but I know what you mean. Yeah, the bigger point... That is absolutely true that the 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 model of running Chelsea, Chelsea as a business, is completely different now from what it was for for nineteen years. It was, you know, it 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 was a billionaire's vanity project masquerading as a business for nineteen years, um, and now it is. Well, I mean, I know given the amount they've invested so far, it's it's not necessarily an argument you can make easily, but. Chelsea is now owned by business-minded people who want to run it 
in the long term as a business with an eye to return and growing the value, growing the value of the club. Um, so I think that's that's the fundamental shift that is maybe not immediately evident when you see the numbers that Chelsea is splashing out in the transfer market right now. But I believe it will become evident in the next so few my, years. My point, I was just put my hand up there to say something, was that um, I would have thought all of this would have been written in or, or noted in the articles of purchase or whatever. That, you know, this was out. They would have had to submit the business plan to um, the, the banks, etc. Yeah. Um, and they would have surely, uh, you know, looking at the way Clear Lake and, uh, and that operate, they would have surely catered for all of this and said, look, you know, this is what we're going to do um, uh, uh, when, as we go forward, you know, as, as we try to do more and more stuff. You know, this is a long term plan. This is our business plan. And they would have had to clear that because the purchase had to be cleared not only by the FA, the government, but also by UA from FIFA, didn't it? I'm sure it did. I'm sure there was. Um, a... I'm not sure about that, actually. I'm not sure if they need to sign off on it. Um, but they certainly needed they certainly needed the approval of the Premier League to, to pass the owners and directors test, which <laughs> I don't know how difficult that is to pass. But oh, um, A lot tougher now uh, after this week, apparently. Well, yeah, so they say. Yeah. And we'll see about that. Um, and, of course, they needed the approval of the government, although I don't really think the government cared much beyond it not being owned by Abramovich anymore or another sanctioned individual. I think the government probably would have signed off anything, but I I do absolutely get what you mean, Tony. I think they, you know, the, the process that rain group managed Mm, with all the respective bidders, which is obviously the process that Manchester United are going through right now, you, you have to submit all of this stuff and it has to be incredibly detailed, your business plan. They, yeah. we, we know about some of the public undertakings they had to make, like a firm commitment on the stadium and, and things like that and, and a yeah. certain amount to invest in the team. But they they yeah. would have had to show this well, is our overall, this is our strategy, this is where the money's coming from, this exactly. is like a, our Let, credit facility and all this sort of thing. Yeah, as, and as the government had a direct involvement, being as they were the one that applied the sanctions, I remember saying at the time, this surely has to be the single most scrutinised sporting, possibly even business takeover ever. Yeah, it would have had to go before all the usual things, like even the probably the competition and markets, um, competition and whatever it is, markets, I thought it's CMA and people like that as well, because um, it would have had to pass all of these, well, more than just the fit and proper persons test, wasn't it? This was a much bigger thing. So, um you know, it, I, I would be amazed if Clear Lake hadn't joined all of the dots on this before the big signatures and the actual takeover, you know, and, and presented all of this as part of a business plan that they don't necessarily have to make public. You know, I, the company I used to work for had internal business plans, which we had to sign NDAs against. As simple as that, you know, I couldn't just leave Vodafone uh, and go to O2. I would have had to wait six months to leave Vodafone and go to O2. I'd have had gardening leave for that amount of time. And I wasn't even what you would call a senior manager, you know, top manager or whatever. I was just a person who had insight into all of the plans around 5G rollouts and Christ only knows whatever else. So I would have, knowing how litigious and how scared of litigation the Americans are, I would imagine they would have had just about probably one of the most waterproof uh, deals going and it doesn't necessarily come to be released on Twitter no. or whatever they would have released some financial results and, and no one to be fair 
Um, there were a few years ago, certainly under the Bates and the early Abramovich era, where, you know, financial status of Chelsea was a massive story, having been through everything that we went through with Mara Estates. Well, and all I, the... I think it still is, Tony, which is why we're we're talking about it yeah. now, really, isn't it? But no, no, no one in the press has latched onto this and, tr- and tried to escalate it even further. There's none of this stuff. I mean, Everton's the big news, isn't it, at the moment in terms of... Yeah finances and that sort of stuff and, and whatever city are still going to be facing so I don't, i'm just trying to put a sort of brighter spin no i think i think on... we are i think that's my yeah. point i think that this is yeah. this is i mean with apologies to liam i think a lot of this is is kind of clickbait because we make a good headline oh chelsea have spent 600 million they they have they have to sell all their players it's yeah. that kind of thing yeah. when i think the reality is different and that's that's why i'm so glad we got liam on tonight because we always get a very insightful mm. and intelligent perspective on that because yeah. Liam is not into the clickbait journalism, and that's why we love what he does. Now, <laughs> JK, you are oh, my personal you. clickbait, obviously. Uh, but you've been waiting beautifully patiently, actually, I have to say. So, well, what no, you... Because you've, it's all been very intelligent and, and understandable. And I, I, I'm, Tony knows so much more about me than, than this kind of business thing. I don't, I'm, not, you know, I'm, I'm just an artiste, darling. I don't know what on earth goes on anywhere. Anything, you know. Money? Um, money? What's that? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Don't be so vulgar. Oh, horrible! Yeah, please, I, I get paid in scones. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I would be amazed what you were saying, Tony. I'd be amazed if, similarly, with the whole of the uh, um, the FFP, that they haven't got this sussed already. I really would. They're mm. they're, they're completely bright, bright. You know, you don't you don't make you, you don't sit down at salt and discuss all your other companies, and Chelsea being one of them as being a you know just another aspect of the whole company um without being on the ball you don't make all these millions and all have all these companies with and make successes of them mm. without having as you say banks of uh of solicitors and um and accountants working it all out yeah. so this this knee-jerk reaction from everybody which is based on in a complete sand that uh uh, that we're all going to, you know, with, with glee as well, gleefully going to fail FFP and that we need complete clear outs is uh, we're going to have a complete clear out is um, fire sale. In fact, fire sale is, mm. is, is complete bollocks. Yeah, Absolutely. On, on, but but to just say quickly, we will be selling lots of, of course players, we will, but because we don't want them be, anymore. Exactly. It won't be because <laughs> they want to, uh, to balance the books. Well, if it is, they'll have sorted it out already and they're working out who they want to get rid of, but it's nothing to worry about no, in the slight. Absolutely. On a related point, mate, actually, uh, you, you, you know, it's very interesting the way that the news, uh, well, I mean, the news really came out about Earls Court and Stamford Bridge, courtesy of a, a, a well, I, I hesitate to say a one man campaign, but effectively, that's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> let, let me let me try and get the picture sorted out for people, shall I? Uh, Earls Court right now, as we speak, is not available for Chelsea Football Club because the Earls Court Development Company, who, by the way, came out in the press today categorically denying any conversations have been had by Chelsea, is already two or three years in the planning to build um, 4,500 homes and a new park, uh, and basically a great big uh, commercial development, a huge commercial development, worth which will be worth billions of pounds, billions of pounds to them, so, I mean, suddenly, all, all week on Twitter, we've had this, well, what would you rather do? Would you rather go to Earl's Court for a new stadium there, or would you mm-hmm. rather stay at Bridge? Now, I, I accept absolutely that these are valid 
you know questions to ask we've discussed it ourselves on this show and i've long said you know i love Stamford bridge and i totally get what the people behind this campaign the anti-earls court uh popular front or something i don't know otters otters noses and all of that but anyway you know, I, I I get the emotional attachment to Stamford Bridge. I have a massively emotional attachment to it myself. And, you know, I wouldn't really want to go. But if, if we had to go, if there were good reasons for it, that, that you know, including, you know, some of us may, maybe some of us older generation have to think about the fact that our children and our grandchildren might like to go to a new stadium when we'll be long gone. But anyway, if if we were to go anywhere, Earl's Court would be, in my head, the best place to go because it's still in the manor. We were talking about this the other week. But, of course, the other thing, apart from the fact that the bloody ground is not, you know, the space is not available, also it's very hard to build a stadium on there because of the railway lines. And thirdly, we're not going anywhere unless the CPO or 75% of the CPO shareholders agree. So it's just fabricated horseshit that's been going on all week. And I'm... my jk my gabber is flasted is it it is have you got have you got it out i have don't tell anybody though <laughs> but it is yeah, it, but we, it, we we talked about this the other day i didn't know we, we did we did didn't we oh, it would be completely wonderful to go there but for all the reasons that i posited you know the, what the 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 uh um, the exhibitions they had there, the Daily Mail exhibition they used to have there. Sorry, I've said that terrible two words together. But um, <laughs> the uh, uh, the Boys and Girls exhibition, as it was, and the Royal Tournament and all of that. And I said how we learned it was a great just by the tube and everything. But we did say at the same time, there is already a building to going to be done there. We said that. But so why is it what I love about these things is somebody posits it somewhere and then somebody comes up and creates an, an anti to it. And then demonstrations go where nothing has been confirmed in the slightest. It just goes completely out of all proportion, doesn't it? The energy, the amount of energy wasted over something that's been made up. It's f- phenomenal. It's like people putting transfer gossip. Um, um, Fernandez has been transferred at the end of the season. Oh, my <laughs> God, how can they do this? I hate the board. They're so dreadful. Oh, God, get them all out. Ah, it's Potter's fault. No, it's not. Must be somebody else. It's Bowley. It's all these Americans. You go, for fuck's sake, it's a complete pile of nonsense for fuck's sake but that's that's the world we inhabit unfortunately. well it is you know what now i'm going to ask liam who you know liam is itk of course as, as we know um and he's now going to tell us it's all true no i don't know i i have <laughs> I, I can't believe even liam's going to say that do you do you know anything about this liam or are you are you kind of with me on this that it's a crock of horseshit you know there's nothing there nothing to see yeah i was a bit bemused uh, that it even became a, a very, very, very point quickly. Again this week. Sorry, sorry, Liam. Very quickly, I should have interjected. What I'm equally surprised by is that this story has come from Henry Winter, who I like very much and have known for years and years, and I respect hugely. And I, I, I get the impression he's kind of been taken in a bit. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I can't speak to that. I don't. I, I've been in press rooms with Henry. I don't know him. That, I don't know him well. Um, but. Yeah, and I, I'm a bit bemused that it's a story partly because of the CPO element to it. You know that that is a dynamic that doesn't exist at any other club, and it is a, a it is a hard stop on anything that would send Chelsea elsewhere. So, um, you know, every time that I've asked people at the club about this since the change of ownership, it has been the same response, which is. Um, there's been no f- decision about what what the club are doing yet. 
I know there were some suggestions this week that there have been that there are plans for a new stadium. I'm assured that there aren't at this point. Like, you know, detailed plans for what it would look like. I'm I'm assured that things aren't at that stage yet. Um, and I think Bowley and Clear Lake want to get to the end of this year with having made a decision. It's this um, Anna Cerebris before making a decision, yeah. But I've heard it. We're yeah. going to be called, be called Earl's Court Blue Boys FC. Did you know that? Yeah, that was another load of old made-up utter bollocks. And somebody put out London Cowboys FC, and I just said, yeah, yeah. that, yeah. that, that I, I would vote for London Cowboys given the season <laughs> yeah. it does had, mate. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Tony, I, Tony, you 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 got involved in the debate because I had a cheeky, yeah, I did. I yeah, had a cheeky look I'm, on Twitter. Yeah, I, I'm I'm I would be very pro. Uh, Ells Court, it's in the same area. Um, you know, it's not too far to walk. There were some decent pubs around there. There's far better served by the local tube stations and everything. Um, how true it is or not, I don't know. Henry Winter is one of those journos that I instinctively tend to trust um, because I think he's 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 one of the unbiased ones. He, he tends to write um, stuff that I think is very carefully researched or resourced or whatever. Um, I would say this much though. I, I you know, just, there are people going on. It's, it's historic and all this sort of stuff. It's Trigger's Broom, right? Not one of those stands has been there since. But the oldest one is East Stands, nineteen seventy three. Is it? I think. Okay, so it's Trigger's Broom. Let's put it all, or to put it more properly, the ship of Theseus. Okay, um, <laughs> love it, love it. <laughs> but there's well, Trigger's Broom is the ship of Theseus. It is that kind of that kind of philosophical question, um, and. If we want to remain in the top tier of clubs, we're going to need a bigger ground. I don't care what anybody says. None of you are accountants. Sorry, I don't mean that horribly, but you're not accountants. You don't know what the projections are. You don't know what we're competing against, except that Tottenham and Arsenal have got better ground than us. Okay, and if you want to be the best in London, you need the best ground. And we, I loved Abramovich's Gothic cathedral design. Oh, wonderful. Um, it was but wonderful. that ain't going to happen. Okay. Right. I would accept I was caught in a brand new... And I, you you don't know that these American uh, people are very good at hustling and at gazumping. Remember, we got gazumped, I think, on Battersea Power Station. I think we were in for that. And I think a Malaysian consortium came along and just gazumped us. So you don't know that they haven't gone... Earl's Court Development are not going to turn around and say, hey, yeah, guess what? We're in secret talks. How did you not know that? They're not going to do it. Okay. So I think... Whether there's truth or not in it, it is speculation. But I think there's, I'd always take there's never smoke without fire. Um, and I think that it would be a really, really great move. And here's the biggest reason I think so. Apart from all of the pluses I think of, you know, it's still in the same locale. It's, it's you know, the pubs are, are still pretty good around there and everything else like that. It would mean that we could play at Stanford Bridge for four more years. Yes. Okay. And not have to go to fucking Wembley Stadium or ground share with Fulham, which is, I've got nothing against Fulham, but the best they're going to be able to do on any ground share is offer us 24,000 season tickets. That's the best they're going to do with the capacity they've got. Right, so you've immediately got season ticket holders only and perhaps a couple of thousand on a lottery system going in there. Um, and I don't want to go to West Ham. I don't want to go to the Olympic Stadium because I would feel like I'm constantly looking around to see whether or not I'm going to get mugged. Okay, because of the area it's in. I love that West Ham fans can moan all they like, but you know, you're not going to take kindly a load of Chelsea fans walking through your territory with blue shirts on and whatever. Um, so for me, the biggest plus would be you would do that and we could do what Spurs did, which was a proper send off to the old stadium and the last game, a big celebration, a big do or whatever. I am not 
sentimental. Buildings come and buildings go. Life changes. But none of you are living in the same house that you were born in. Okay. Okay. So I was born in box. I, I lived in a shoe box. I, I was born under a box. Yeah. But I'm <laughs> with no room. It's all right for you. I was born in the middle of the road. Yeah. No, I was born yeah. inside of the road yeah. opposite. Exactly. And had to oh. lick pavement clean every night before yeah. supper. In no. fact, that was supper. I get the sentimental value of it, but we, and, and, and this is going to be controversial what I say here, we are no more special, right, than Spurs, Arsenal no. fans, or any other... No, we're not. We're not. We're, we're, we're human beings. We're football fans. Our club is no more special. You know, you could look at Arsenal's history, a rich history of winning uh, league championships, etc., uh, Everton, I bet you, you told, if you sat down with Everton fan now and said, we're more special than you, they'd go, no, you're not. And they're quite happy to move their ground to a, a spanking new state-of-the-art thing. So I don't have that sentiment, but sentimental feeling about buildings. Life changes, things change. Empires come, empires go. And Are you suggesting, Tony, that they might be, at the moment, um, going in through the back door and yes. offering a huge amount of money to yes. the court set up? Uh, well, I think they might be. Do you think they're offering one well, billion? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, for the, if for they the cited as a fantastic yeah, real estate area, listeners, both me and Chid had our little fingers up, Doctor Evil style there. But um, if, if, if if it's a fantastic real estate area and they don't have to worry about the CPO, they don't care about the name Chelsea or whatever, and they just buy it, they can in a few years' time they'll flog it on for an enormous. I, I, I don't know. I'm CPO, like like many many people. I get the feeling that if, you know, if Clear Lake are genuinely not stupid, right, okay, they had to fight against some pretty big rivals to get our club and pay an awful lot of money for it. So I think they would quite cleverly say, we're going to build a stadium here, CPO just transfers across to it. There you go. Well, I was going to say, Tony, you know, the other thing about, you know, I know we're, we're, we're adding to the speculation here, which is rather yes. naughty of us of to be. Having, having hammered it originally, we're now doing exactly what we were criticising people for doing. But if it was the case, hypothetically, I think two things would be really good. One is that exactly that. If we were to move away from Stamford Bridge, then the CPO uh, idea carries on. I think to protect that ground would be essential. But also I saw another lovely idea on Twitter, actually, which was, Keep the uh, the stadium that we're in now and give it to the women's team, which I thought you think would be a brilliant idea. That could be that could be an idea. The then you keep it. Only going one way, isn't it? You, so. you keep it. Anyway, listen. We don't want to add yes. any more. We don't want to add any more fuel, uh, you know, oil on the uh, petrol on the fire, as it were, uh, because I know J.K.'s been waiting for this all week, uh, which is the return of the media event of the century, the Graham Potter presser. Uh, now I'm gonna I'm gonna summarise it for you, and then Liam and Liam and J.K. can uh, you know uh, have a duel at ninety paces or whatever. Uh, right. So the the main thing, the the thing that we're only really interested in is is who's fit and who isn't. Uh, apparently, there could be as many as five out because Silver, Aspie, Sterling, and Fafana are still out injured. Won't be ready until Tuesday at the earliest. Mount is back, but he's won't start because he's been out injured. Uh, he's not sulking, according to some. Pulisic, bless his little heart, has picked up a cold, so he's ill. Uh, Kai is ill, but has recovered, and Reese should be available. So that's the the headlines there. Um, very, very quickly running down this, and uh, I, I, Liam, I presume you weren't there, but you know what was in the press, right? You, okay. Yeah, I've read through the quotes, yeah, yeah. so I wasn't there. JK, did you watch it assiduously, or have you got better things to do with your life? I watched it, 
but no longer assiduously. Okay, right. I feel, I feel <laughs> I'm getting it inured by his his banality. Okay, well, the headlines for me are, you know, he was asked about the finances in in the same kind of line we, we were talking about about FFP. He was yeah. amazingly non-committal. Uh, he talked about Anthony Barry uh, probably going to join Tuchel at Bayern Munich. Although I understand the club are trying to delay that, and I think they need to delay that until we we are absolutely sure we can't meet them in a semi final because that would be horrible. He was amazingly enough non-committal uh, about Mason Mount. He was effusive, which was wonderful. About N'Golo Kante returning this weekend, he was evasive. Well, he said he'd get some time, Chidge, but he still didn't say yes or no. You know, is he going to play? Well, maybe. Uh, anyway, um, so that's where he was. Now, the one thing that I did pick out, which I thought was fascinating, he said, uh, we're, we're Chelsea and we want to win. And I thought that was quite a change. Somebody's been in his ear. Maybe it's JK. I don't know. Have you been training him on the quiet, JK? You know I have, Chidge. You know, and he pays no attention to me most of the time. Well, but, I uh... think that's a move in the... He, he, he now considers himself Chelsea, which is a huge improvement. I've tried to get him to do a strange laugh to 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 like poo poo. A... <laughs> exactly, exactly. He won't do it. No. Ridiculous. He no. could go rather than just say I'm not committal. He could go. Ha, 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 ha. Do you really want me to answer that? He could that? do a Doctor <laughs> Evil laugh. <laughs> Funny enough, he could actually. He could. Everybody, that's the the same gag again with the finger in the. Still uh... not working for those who are Still watching not, in black and white. Is it? No, indeed, yeah. indeed. Yeah, the radio. We people. should do this as a YouTube channel. Maybe I don't know. Well, funny you should say that. I was thinking about that. Um, uh, no, uh, Chidge, uh, I thought he definitely said Kante would play. Uh, he said he'd get some, some minutes. Stage. He said he'd get some yeah, minutes. Yeah, he'd get some minutes. But he said, he said that before Everton. That's true. He did. Well, mind you, that was, you know... He, 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 brought, he, he brought on Colin Gallagher and Cheek. 3-0, indeed. Well, I, I, indeed. I think I think the plan was to bring Angola Kante on against Everton, but then Chelsea were ahead and Everton just started bringing on increasingly tall people. <laughs> yes. So... Yes. I, I think I think Potter looked around and thought, "This isn't the game for you, little Angolo." When the other team aren't even trying to use their midfield. Yes, yes, just booting the ball up and running after it. Yeah, um, the um, I, I thought the Barry, uh, the, the whole Barry situation is a bit peculiar for me because if Barry thought he was at a, an elite club, he would surely stay with the elite club rather than wanting to go to supposedly. Yeah, it was a bit of a naughty comment, wasn't it? I yeah. want to go and work for an elite manager again. Wow. Yeah. 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 So I, I'm I'm not, you know, I, I and he's been put on gardening leave because clearly they, you know, they, they can't have him um, uh, not being in. You can't have him being involved in any way in the club if he's definitely going to if he's going to leave, which looks immensely likely. Um, but I, I um the fact that it, he thinks it's it's a positive move to go and join Bayern instead of Chelsea speaks volumes to me, I'm afraid. Well, you could argue that Bayern are a bigger club than Chelsea, to be very fair, and, and a bit Tony Tony Glover-esque on the matter. You know, they are they are a bigger club. My my thought, uh, Tony, is that um, Barry can bugger off, mate, because our defence is still shit set pieces. You know, so I, don't, I have to say yes. I'm know, I don't know. We miss him, mate. Sorry to leap in, Tony, but he has been actually rubbish this season, hasn't he? Let's yeah. be honest. It, there's been nothing working. They haven't been. None of the set pieces seem to be working. Well, they they suddenly got a bit better with Chilwell actually taking them. Nobody before everybody hit the first man. There didn't seem anything to be worked out. They scored the goal against Everton the other day. Everton scored the goal against us the other day, and I just thought, well, nothing's changed, has it? So yeah, this was. It's an interesting 
perhaps they're happy to get rid of him because they've got somebody even more expensive and better lined up. Who knows with yeah. the way this this lot operates? Sorry, Tony. You're on mute, mate. I'm on mute. Um, sorry, I, personally, I, I, staff come and go. Um, any business that I've ever worked in, um, and, and it's not unusual for a manager to leave and then a couple of months, three months, six months later, you find someone else leaving from the same team to go and join them. Uh, almost like a sort of covert kind of headhunting um, uh, aspect of it. Um, I'm not sure we will miss him. Um I think the club's recruitment from the from that side of things has been very, very good, you know, in, in terms of the, the staff that are on the playing side. Um, so, yeah, I, and also I think it's, it's quite possible if his head's been turned, then put him on guard and leave now, get shot of him, like you would with a player. Yeah. I don't want anybody there who doesn't want to be there, as it were. Um, uh, also, he, you know, if, if the club, I think if they've got any sense, they'll turn around and say, look, you can, you can go... Uh, at the end of the season, we'll put you on guard and leave. But at the end of the season, you go and join Tommy, do what you like or whatever. Um, that would be the most sensible thing because he may well be party to some of the uh, players that are being targeted or need to go. And I think that would be detrimental. So I think there is a an issue around, like I said, well, if I had left Vodafone to go to O2, they would have said to me, no, you, you're you on guard and leave for, for a few months, mate, so that we can we have ways of making you forget what you know will change yeah, it's stuff. It's that thing they used in the men in black, mate. Yes, that's right. Yeah, the flasher, yes. Right. God, I wish I had that's one right. of them. So, um, uh, yeah. so Liam, um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on the press? I mean, you know, I'll be honest with you, mate, you never really get anything out of Potter presses, but, I mean, what do you think? Well, I thought his admission that um, Barry not going until, you know, it becomes clear whether there's a Chelsea buy and semi to... To navigate or not, him admitting that that was part of the conversation, I think, was maybe the most interesting thing. Um, and you know, from Barry's perspective, I I can totally get why he would want to move on because he came in under Lampard. Um, when Lampard left, he considered leaving. Then um, Lampard tried to get him to Everton, uh, and. You know, Barry has also had offers from lower down the leagues to to be a manager. You know, the Fleetwood link was um, was was very well documented, and I think maybe there's an element of not wanting to become, or or maybe being slightly afraid of being typecast as just a a club man. You know, in a, in a way that that previous previous coaches at Chelsea have maybe fallen into that. Um, fallen into that trap a, a little bit. I think he 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 formed a great connection with Tuchel and Tuchel immediately um, came to the opinion that Barry was exceptional. That was the word I, I heard talking to people, um, it, it, particularly with regard to set pieces. And I know Chelsea's record from defensive set pieces this season is not good. Um, but initially when Barry came in, it actually improved a lot. It did, it and did to you, be fair, yeah. And and you see it. You see in some of the more elaborate attacking routines they've done. They've got some. They do some quite neat stuff that hasn't actually resulted in a goal. So he, he's very highly regarded within the game for that. And it's also, I think, a big part of why he's been quite coveted internationally. Mm. Yeah. He's worked with Ireland. He's worked with Belgium. Now he's working with uh, Portugal. 
Um, I th- he he's keen, I think, to to soak up as many experiences as possible because he wants to become a number one mm. um, sooner rather than later. He's quite young; he's got time on his side. Um, but that's definitely part of his plan. And, and equally, I can see why he would want to team up with Tuchel again because you know, with all due respect to Potter, he's very he, you know he he's got a very good resume in the game himself. But he's not Tuchel. Tuchel is a top five coach in the world. Um, and if you've got the chance to to work with a guy like that, you know, you compare it to Paul Clement, you know, following around Carlo Ancelotti for a bit and then eventually getting opportunities as a number one himself. I think that's what I, I think that's what sorry, that's Ruby in the background taking a drink. Good grief. Um, she drinks more noisily than I do. I know, yeah. She's decided she's something. thirsty. Yeah, good for her. Um but yeah, so I think I think that's that's probably in Barry's mind as well to soak up as much as he can from mm. from Tuchel and then and then hopefully put himself in the best possible position to to strike out on his own. Yeah, makes a lot of sense to me. There you go. Right, uh, we we should have a break because if Ruby's thirsty, then so are we. Um, but uh, before we do, I want to say as always, Liam, it's absolutely delightful to have you back on the show we love we love seeing you here and uh we also love reading your stuff in the athletic and listening to straight out cobham as well which everybody should get the hell on because it's a fantastic it's wonderfully different from all the stuff that us lot do because of course you've got people who know what they're talking about actually doing it so you know uh so they good... do it in a much more concise shorter space they of do. time they don't they don't have knob gags on the straight out no, cobham, never no. ever is there a knob gag? or they don't do one billion no they just get they just get edited out oh do they so you do you do you do do you still do <laughs> Oh, I'm glad to hear you still do the knob. I'd love to hear. I tell you what, one of my lifetime's ambitions would, would be to hear Dominic Fifield doing a knob gig. <laughs> that would be delightful, actually. You know, we I'll should, pass that message yeah. on. Well, we should. We should. I mean, you know, we've had Dom on the show before when we were doing our Love Sport Radio stuff. Maybe, uh, maybe we should should uh, get Dom and Simon back on. They've both been on before, so uh, they've probably got better things to do on a Friday night. If I know that, and well, I know, I know Dom. He, he's out with his uh, his his boys, isn't he? Tr- uh, doing the football training, so he's quite often not around. But it'd be nice to get them back, share the love a bit. But uh, look, until then, Liam, no doubt we'll see you back on soon. I hope so, and uh, good luck with everything, and we'll see you soon. So thank you. Thanks, guys. Pleasure to be back and have a good evening. We will, we will. Right, you lovely lot. We are going to have a a half-time lemon break and uh, then we're going to come back with the return of the opposition view. I am so excited. See you in a minute. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you follow a big team like Chelsea, one of the most frustrating things is not being able to get a ticket for the match, especially when it's away and not live on TV in the UK. What can you do? Get updates from your mates? Follow online commentary? Listen to the radio? Let's face it, it's not the same as actually watching the match live, is it? NordVPN have the solution to every football supporter's matchday problems when they can't watch the match live. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. It's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices – It's a bargain. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com 
forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Welcome back, this is Stanford Chidge and of course it is the Friday night Chelsea Fancast preview and we are previewing the uh, the Aston Villa game on Saturday of course and uh, and of course, well we haven't done this for, I don't know, ages, I've been so lazy but tonight it's time for this The Opposition View That's right, The Opposition View is back and uh, highly appropriately, probably our favourite Opposition View of the entire lot that I haven't been bothered to get in contact with for much of the season. And bless his heart, he emailed me, which is very much why he's on the show. It's an absolute <laughs> delight to welcome back the fantastic Justin from Up the Villa. Up the Villa. Up the Villa. How are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm a bit tired oh, and stressed, but otherwise all right. I email you because I like I like chatting to you. I know, I know. <laughs> I like chatting to you, you guys. I think it's um, we've created a nice little... Um, partnership for these uh these games i really enjoy talking yeah, to you it's always lovely to talk to you and i'm sorry you're just having to put up with me this evening because of course we've had to pre-record this because uh you've got things to do this evening uh so jk was gutted that he's not going to be able to talk to you ah. so he passes on his best to you yes and mine to uh to the lads as well lovely stuff right now we need to talk about villa we um do. of course you've now got i should have actually said to you uh on arrival just in good evening really shouldn't i yes well we're we're trying to stay away from that as a fan base <laughs> to be honest but yes yes he uh he, he's he's his english is getting a lot better now to be honest he's really working hard on it so and his connection with the fans has been pretty pretty good i mean dean smith was great obviously as a villa fan but um Emery's come in from day one and he's 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 linked the fans to everything he's done. Every press conference, every post-match, every pre-match, every press conference, he's, it's fans, fans, fans. And, and it's it's a breath of fresh air after um, Mr. Gerrard, I've got to be honest. You were not happy with Stevie Gerrard last <clears> time we talked to you and I, clearly you're glad to see the back of him. But I mean... What what's what's Emery? I mean, clearly he's also improved things. I mean, you're 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 very effusive now. So what what's Emery done to improve things? I mean, I think he's a top manager. Be of no yeah. doubt about that. You don't get to all those Europa Cup finals if you're an idiot. So what's he done to improve Villa? Um, he's he's come in and he's 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 a proper manager, if you know what I mean. He's I felt when Gerard left that we needed somebody to come into Villa. I, you know, obviously I'm a Villa fan. I'm going to say this. I feel we're a, we're a huge club in England, and I'll go back to the to the days of Graham Taylor, of, of Ron Atkinson. You know, a, a managers of that stature who I felt, looking back now of what we've had since and the struggles we've had, that you need a manager that can come into your club, and take the weight of the whole club on his shoulders. By that I mean, he he can run everything. He knows. He's at, he's at the stage of his career where he knows exactly what he wants out of his team. He knows exactly how to build that team. And he knows exactly how to get that across to the squad of players that he has. Now, we've only brought in a couple of players in January. 
So he's essentially working with exactly the same squad of players that Steven Gerrard has. But his style, the way he goes about his work, his intensity, his attention to detail, it's shone out within two games. You know, we've done the Villa podcast now for two or three years. We had Gerrard for a year and towards the end of his reign, when, when he'd done nearly 12 months, we still struggled to work out what his plan was, how he sets teams up, and what he did to try and win games of football. Didn't have a clue. Within four or five games, we knew exactly what Emery was all about. We knew exactly how he sets up. We knew exactly what style he wanted. And it's taken a little bit of time to get used to it because he plays out from the back, which most top European clubs do. So a lot of Villa fans were getting a bit edgy because there was one or two mistakes in the early days, which there's going to be when you suddenly played out from the back from goal from goal kicks and, and you know, you're trusting your players to retain the ball, not make mistakes, which happened a few times. And then that created a lot of worry amongst the Villa fan base, especially at home. But very gradually, but during that period, I have to say, we were getting results. So it wasn't like he was having to you know, struggle through losing games. We were getting results even before his philosophy was properly embedded within the squad. And now we are seeing a really, really good Villa team. And like I say, it's exactly the same squad barring a left-back who essentially plays and a young forward that doesn't really play, Duran. So it's quite surreal to see the difference you can have from one manager that didn't have a clue what he was doing to another manager who you know exactly what he's trying to do and trust. Yeah, it's very, it's very, it's fascinating to to hear you listen to that, actually, because, you know, as you're probably aware, there's a, a little bit of dissatisfaction with our current manager, <laughs> um, which may, may seem a, a bit unfair and it's caused a little bit of division in the, in the, in the supporter, in the supporter base. Uh, he ain't going anywhere, in my view, because Bowley's just not going to suck it up. But this is something that we've tried to explain to people on the show, why we get a bit antsy about him. And it seems unfair that we're not giving him a chance and all this kind of thing. But like you, back in the day, and us for the last 20-odd years, we've been used to, to managers who fit the bill. And I just think you've articulated it with Emery in a much better way than we've managed to this season. But it's exactly that, isn't it? It's it's a guy who can take the whole weight of the club on his shoulders yep. and be the front man, the main man, the leader. Yep. It's also a guy who knows exactly what he wants, exactly how to set his team up, exactly what he's doing, exactly where he's going. And we've often felt... I mean, to be fair, Justin, all of us have... We're, we're prepared to give Potter a chance. I mean, I, if he ends up being... Fan, if he wins the Champions League or trophies or whatever... Um, develops players and makes them into legends. I'll be the first to applaud him and congratulate yeah. him and say, "Well done, mate." It's just in my heart of hearts, I don't believe he will, because no. I just don't think he's got it. I don't think he's got what it takes to be a Chelsea manager. He had what it took to be a Brighton manager, but I'm not sure he has what it takes to be a Chelsea manager. So to hear you say that about Emery is fascinating for me. I um, when Potter took the job on, when the job became available. Um, and it became obvious he was going to take the, the role. I, I was surprised. I think I said this to you when we, we spoke last time. I was surprised the club went for him, and I was surprised he went for Chelsea. And that now you might think that's a strange thing to say, but for me, where he was at Brighton, that fitted him perfectly. He was in a club that loved him. He was in a club that he was 
massively succeeding in. They 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 adored everything he did. So for him to take the, the huge gamble to walk into a hotbed of a club like Chelsea that that demands instant success, and this is the problem I think you're having, is that when the manager was dispensed with, a quality manager that you had, you expect a manager to come in. Okay, if, if he's not the man, then the next man has got to be the man. So to to, to hire a man that that at, from day one, the owner, the new owner said, this is a long-term project. That's, that doesn't tie in with Chelsea, currently Chelsea. You're not well, Villa where... We don't know. This is the thing, Justin, because maybe well, it, is, to, maybe yeah. it is Chelsea now. This is it. Yes, yeah. and this is what I was, I'm trying to say. It's it's a mindset change from the yeah. fan base. So you've had success, massive success, new manager, massive success, new manager. You're now having to go into a transitional period, which you're not used to. We're, we're doing it, but we're doing it from a position of not strength where you are. Mm. And, and it's a lot easier for, for fans to stomach that yeah. rather than from where you are yeah. trying to, you know, we don't want transition. We don't need transition. We have, we, we're in top four every season. We're Champions Leagues every season. We're winning trophies every other season. So that's a, a, a lot harder sell to the fan base. Now, at the start of the season, if you'd have said to me, Tuchel and, and Gerard, they're both going to get fired and Emery and Potter will be taking those positions, which club gets which manager, <laughs> I would have said, well, we're obviously going to get Potter and you're going to get yeah. Emery. Because I think that's the stature of those managers. And that's not to say I don't think Potter's a good manager. I think he is. But I think we are we managed to pull off a real coup by, by bringing in Unai Emery. Well, it, it certainly, it's certainly done the business for you. I mean, a couple of interesting stats, which I think relate very much to Emery, although you'll, you'll tell me if I'm wrong. But he certainly uh, rejuvenated uh, your, your away form. Uh, you've yep. won four of the last six away. You've drawn one and lost one. So you've only lost once away. That was to Man City uh, as that, well. Exactly, that was to Man City, which is you know, I think you can. Ex- I mean, we would ex- well, we got humped by them four yeah. 0 So I know that. And also, Ollie Watkins has scored. In fact, if he scores against us on Saturday, he'll be the first player, first Villa yeah, player, scoring five successive five, Premier yeah, yeah. League away games. That's also since Emery's arrived. So he's rejuvenated yeah. your away form, and he's rejuvenated Ollie Watkins. And we all know the secret of success in the Premier League is to have somebody who can put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, don't even start talking about Chelsea's inability to do that. But you see what I mean? So he's had Absolutely. an effect, hasn't he? Massively, yeah. I think if you look at throughout the squad and throughout the team, um, we did our, a predicted lineup episode this morning. We were talking exactly this about, you know, the effect he's had on all of our players. And, you know, we've, you know, in my opinion, we've got the best goalkeeper in the world anyway. And he's proved that over the last mm. couple of Not years. World, with Cup, World Cup winning goalkeeper, for God's sake. Yeah, Penalty yeah, and, stops and all of it. You know, you'd argue that him and Messi were the pivotal figures in 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 both the Copper win and the World Cup win, um, and he's been phenomenal for us. Brilliant. Um, Mings's form has has improved immensely, immeasurably. For me, he should be back in the England squad. Um, the the partnership Conser's had with him has settled down a lot. Um, the left back Moreno we've signed from Spain looks an absolute steal. Um, fantastic on the ball, great getting forward. Matty Cash has improved. The double pivot we employ now. Uh, Douglas Louise has just won our Player of the Month. Uh, Bubakar Kamara has been arguably one of the best signings of the season for on a free transfer from Marseille. And he's back on Saturday as well, which is fantastic for us. John McGinn was looking like he was on his way out under Gerard because he couldn't get any kind of form together. That He didn't know how to get the best out of him. He didn't know where to play him. 
yeah, Emery's come in and he's rejuvenated him. You know, his Scotland form is brilliant. We all wanted him to play a bit further forward because that's where he's good for Scotland. And, and he's done that for us and he's been fantastic. His energy, he, he gets around the pitch. He's, he's a phenomenal player. You've got Jacob Ramsey, who's coming on a treat. He's just captain the England under-21s this week and scored. Um, our record signing, um, Wendia. Again, another player that looked lost under Gerrard. Um, as, as, he's now probably arguably playing his best football for us. He looks fantastic in that sort of floating 10 role. And then you go up top. We, you know, we let Danny Ings go in January. There was a few eyebrows raised about that. I I didn't. I thought it was the right thing to do for the money we got for him. Um, and, and he's just he's carried that, that role up front, that load, absolutely phenomenally. You know, another player that would, could feel very aggrieved not to be back in the England squad to me. So we lack a bit of depth. There's no question about that. Um, you know, he's not he's not even filling the bench lately with with full nine players because he says that he only wants to really pick players he knows that will come on him and, and have an impact. Um, so he's giving he's almost throwing the gauntlet down to his to to the young players coming through the twenty ones. Um, we'll have a stronger bench on Saturday because we've got a couple back. We've got Dendonka back and we've got Kamara back, so that'll strengthen up the bench. And, and it's it's just brilliant. You know, we are comfortably now 11th. We've been there for a while. We've got a nice cushion now between the, that and the, the bottom nine that are all battling it out. And it's just a matter of now of where we can go, you know, how hard we can finish. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I mean, well, I mean, therein lies an interesting point as well, because I think uh, you've not finished above us in the league since 1995-96. But you, I mean, we're both on thirty-eight points at the moment. Yeah. So if you if if you beat us on Saturday, then we'll go certainly eleventh immediately, but possibly lower up depending on what else happens, I suppose. Um, so there's a chance if you can car- if you carry on your trajectory, you might you might go better than that and and certainly finish above us because we seem to be in this kind of, you know, two steps forward, one step back thing at the moment with the league and I. I you could argue that the the Champions League's something of a distraction at the moment. Yeah, I mean it. it, it I mean it's a bit weird. I'll be honest with you, because none of us should think we have a hope in hell of winning the Champions League, beating Real Madrid in the quarter. Then you'd have to beat City or Bayern in the semi, <laughs> and now you've got Bayern with Tuchel. So that that's written in the stars, isn't it? I mean, the, the <laughs> yeah. final, the final, if we get there, could be the easiest game, really. So you know, if if you if you're if you if you if you are of sound mind, you should be saying we haven't got a Scooby. But this is Chelsea, Justin, and we yeah, do yeah. weird shit, <laughs> and that's what we well, do. So d- yeah, we have analysed you this week because we've obviously playing you, and we've talked a lot about you. We've looked at your squad, and there's no doubt there's 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 so much quality yeah. in that squad. It is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah every position's got two players that that would probably walk into any other team in the country. There's just this malaise that hangs around Stamford Bridge now that, that that for some reason is hanging over the heads of everybody and 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 that's because of the decision they make to get rid of Tuchel. That's you know bringing Potter in and there's been you know people haven't been sure about it and the form hasn't been good and the, the spending spree that the owner went on in the summer and in, in January is just almost unprecedented. So that that brings massive pressures yeah. to every play. You know, I like that Mudrick when I first saw him play for you, but since I just you know, I don't know what he's doing. Um, Enzo Fernandez, you know, I don't think he's the player that you've signed. I think he's playing too deep. I think he needs to get forward a bit more. Be needs more help in the middle of the park. Um, you know, well for all, for Stern... everything they've done, Justin, for everything they've done, the, the the two things they haven't done were the most important things to do. 
which is to buy a number nine who can score goals yep. and buy a defensive midfielder who does nothing but be a defensive midfielder. Yep. So without that, yeah. it doesn't matter who else you buy. It doesn't matter about your Mudricks and your Enzos and, yep. and all of that. It's There's still not going to be the right balance to make this team cohesive, I think. Which, which is amazing when you think the money that was spent. So the money was obviously there. It was, it, so whose fault is that? It's, 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 it's looking at what you needed and not addressing the real standout well, I problems think, I within think, the squad. I think who they needed were not available. That's, not available. I mean, yeah. Felix was a good pickup. Um, and if he's well, if you can get him on the pitch and not sent off, um, you know, I quite like but, that but to you, be honest. But I really, do. yeah, but <laughs> two footing and Fulham players, all right. Well, that's me. it. Yeah, for you, it is. Yeah, you don't mind that, dear. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think like you say, I think it's a matter of this season getting out of this season. You're still in competitions, but you can win. Um, the Champions League is a really funny one, like you say, and there's enough quality in your squad to beat anybody on the day. Whether you can. I mean, get form together. Do you need form to win the Champions League? Not really. No, you, you just need, need, you to, need to be to good turn on the up day. For one, yeah, two, three. Need... Well, one, two, three, four, five games. Five games. And you don't, you have to, so you don't got... even have to win them all. No, you can draw fact, your away. Exactly. Nick your home ones. Yeah, um, you know. So if you win three home games and don't lose away, you know you're in the final. So I've no doubt you're going to be a threat in those competitions. Whether you can put it together enough to, to go and win it, who knows? Well, but therein, think... therein lies the, the $64 billion question. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I do think it is going to distract from our, our league form. And sadly, you know, if and when we get knocked out, our our season is over and it will just be a yeah. damp squib. And I don't think it will improve much. But, I mean, this is an interesting thing. We do this every week, uh, as you know, Justin, and... Uh, you know, this season's been so weird when I, I read out these sort of stats because, you know, I look at our record against Villa in the Premier yeah. League and it's absolute. I mean, our, our our record against you at home in the Premier League is we've won 16, drawn six, lost five. It's pretty bloody good. You've been, and, and I mean, you've been on the wrong end of it at Chelsea, as I probably don't need to tell you. But we've yeah. beaten so you know, just close my ears now. Yeah, okay. I mean, we've beaten you in nine of the last Premier League games, head to heads. Okay, we've drawn one and lost one. We've dubbed you horribly, uh, as you well know, and I won't remind you of that. <laughs> so you know, we we would traditionally look at this and go, well, of course we're going to win on Saturday. It's just a question of yeah. how many, isn't it? And every time I've done this this season, it's almost like it's it's like a year zero moment. Because we, you know, we're looking at that in the context of of Chelsea under Abramovich and everything that happened there, and we are in a new world now, and it's not happening. So the number of times we're getting duffed up by people that we shouldn't be losing to this season is horrific. It's almost like these stats are meaningless now, and I wonder. The reason I'm telling you this is I wonder if opposition sides have figured this out as well. They're not coming to an Abramovich era Chelsea anymore. They've got a chance. <laughs> I think I think you've lost the fear factor. If I'm brutally honest, exactly you've lost yeah. you've lost that um, air of in, of invincibility that that surrounds the clubs that are current ones. It's obviously Man City, um, Man United are desperately trying to grasp that back, and they're doing a fairly good job of of reigniting their sort of their, their surge towards back, you know, to the glory days again. Arsenal have obviously had a very good season, but you've dropped away um, like Spurs have. Um, and, and I don't think teams fear going to play. You know, we went to um, White Hart Lane and we won there. Um, we, we had probably a worse record 
against Man United uh, than we have against you. And it was Emery's first game in charge and we beat beat them 3-1. Uh, I don't think we'd beat them for about 20 years, home or away. So he's a bit of a... He's a bit of an enigma where he's, he's he's pulling apart these records. Our away form's gone from being very, very average to absolutely brilliant. And I think we're going to Stamford Bridge with as good a chance of getting three points that I can remember in the last... Since I was a kid and I, I went and, and Ray Outen scored 1-0 and it was the old... The end that was open um, around the track. Um, and that was a long, long time ago. Um, so I, I certainly don't fear Chelsea. Um, this Saturday. Um, that doesn't mean that that you know we, we can't get beat or turned over because I'm I'm certainly not naive enough to think that that if Chelsea click then they're a very very difficult team to beat. But what what Emery has done and what he's brought to the club is 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 a mentality that we can compete with anybody, and he's got the right. He sets the team up in the right way. He's he's tactically very very good. Um, and if things are going wrong, he's very good at changing things. And if we nicked, if we're into a one-nil lead, then the Chelsea fans aren't going to like the last ten minutes of the game. I can tell you that now. They're going to be, you know, really annoyed with with our tactics. But ultimately, he just does anything to win a game of football. So I'm as confident as I've been in a very long time that we can go to the bridge and get something. Yeah, I think I'm well. I. I... I mean, we've we've. I think we've only won three of our last nine home games, and we've got the lowest number of goals at home for any Premier League team, which is twenty six this season. Mm. And I think what worries me, I, I you know, I've done, I've done done my own work on Villa, and Emery's mm. got you basically. He's you know like good managers do. He looks at what your strengths are and he plays to it. And you've got in Watkins and Bailey two very very quick players. So you can catch anybody out on the break and you don't let many goals in because you've got, you know, your defence is sorted out and you've got Martinez in goal, who, as you said, is a world-class keeper. So I can see you sitting behind the ball, not not worried about giving us possession, us getting frustration or giving the ball away because we do that and hitting us on the break. I think we play in... I won't worry too much about Leon Bailey. He's a real... <laughs> he's been a real enigma this season. And, um, I don't think he'll start on Saturday right. either. Who's going to um, start for you, do you think? Uh, he'll go... Well, uh, Matty Cash is injured, so Ashley Young will come in at right back. Uh, Concer and Mings, um, Moreno will come at left back. Kamara and Louise sit in the sixes. And then we play sort of an asymmetric 4 4 2. It's very, it's unusual to sort of explain it, but the sort of left hand side will be Ramsey. And then we play, and this is a weird one, this is a good one, a new one for you, Chidge. We play with a false right back. <laughs> <laughs> By that I mean. We attack mainly with our left back and then the right back sits and covers as a back three. And then you've got McGinn will play sort of right side centre, but he'll help out. And then Bailey, uh, Brendier will just float in front. Mm. So it's a quite, an, it's, a, it's a very, it took us a while to get used to it, but it's a very unusual system. But we'll play, we'll basically look to keep the ball. And that's how we'll play. We'll play out from the back. Martinez doesn't give a the monkeys about keeping hold of the ball um, and then passing it around and trying to draw you in. And the way you play with such high fullbacks um, and well, two I holders. Think play, I think you'll play three at the back. You yeah, know. We've, that's what we thought. Three at the back and then you, you, your wing backs will, will be bombing on. And we looked at your um, at your average positions in your last home game and, and you, you don't half overload forward. I know you had a lot of possession. That was Everton, I think. Yeah. Um, you don't half have a lot of... Well, you had a lot of possession against them. So you obviously managed to get forward a lot and, and, and sort of camp in their half. So it did look very much like you was overloading both sides. So I think we'll look to sort of try and 
getting capitalize behind. on that i think yeah yeah i mean you know the three at the back it, it, i mean potter's done this recently and it's it has also you know it's kind of gone, gone hand in hand with our upturn in, in form to be honest because i mean you know our form's not been horrific recently i mean we we won it's not th- bad no, we, four or five yeah yeah we won three on the bounce we had a good match against dortmund Everton was massively disappointing because he just brought in loads of subs when we should have absolutely creamed them. And of course, you know, if you don't put the ball on the back of the net, no. you're always going to leave yourself vulnerable to what Everton do really well, which is to get a set piece goal. But the three at the back works very, very well because I think defensively we've been very, very good. We've got one of the best defensive records in the league, actually. It's just we can't put the bloody ball in the net. So the three at the back, you know, I mean, Silver will be out tomorrow still uh for Farner's injured which is a great shame because he's been brilliant for us so it'll probably yeah. be Cucurella Koulibaly and uh Bad- Badashield but they're they're all good and if if uh, James may start tomorrow so you could have Chilwell and James as the wing backs yeah. and of course when we have those two fit and firing we are a different side we really really yeah. are but I still I still worry about our capability to score a lot of goals so you could well, still be in the game well, we, we, uh, there's a stat for you. We haven't failed to score in any game since Unai Emery's took charge. Yeah. So, you know, if that record carries on, then and you can't, then... <laughs> could be, it could be a 1-0 sort of, to the Villa. Is could that what be a 1-0, yeah. And, and he will, as I say, he will make it uncomfortable if it's 1-0 with 10 minutes to go. He'll, yeah. He doesn't mind putting four or five defenders on and saying, OK, you know... Break us down. Yeah, you, you know, we we're in the lead. It's ten minutes to go. If you're that good, you go and try and score yeah. past us. And I don't mind that, to be honest. It's there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah. Um, and if you're in the lead and you're away from home, I'll take a, a, a gritty last ten minutes and back to the wall if we have to. Yeah, I mean, so we could be in for a bit of a, a tough afternoon tomorrow. I, I mean, the other thing is we, we we haven't scored in the first fifteen minutes at Stamford Bridge all season. And of course, one thing I would tell you categorically is when Chelsea do score early at Stamford Bridge, they do quite often go on to win. And I think this has also been half the problem. So we don't score early. The other team starts getting confident. They don't give, you know, they they do defend very well. And then we get more frustrated. We leave more gaps and you exploit it and boom, there you go. Yeah, which is basically the way we try and play. We try and frustrate the opposition um, and and get to the point where we can hit you on the break or, or... Create an opportunity from, from, from keeping the ball at the back, and then and then passing through the lines and using our, our real quality going forward to, to try and hit hit you really and score. So, I think that is a way that we will try and exploit round the back of Chelsea. We we won't be going full bore to score the first 10, 15 minutes. We'll just be going to quieten the crowd and to frustrate you, mm-hmm. um, and then trying to pick you off. That that'll be the plan, I think. Well, all will be revealed tomorrow. But what are you going to go yes. for? Give, give me a predict- stick a number on it. I went to all in our prediction, so I think I'd take a draw. Okay. I'd like to. I'd like to think we could win the game, and that is you know possibility. But I, I think we'll go with a two all. Okay, two all. You think Chelsea will score two goals? Okay, I'll go for a one <laughs> two one Villa. <laughs> fair enough. I'm, I'm going to save mine for part three, but uh, fair enough. Good luck. To I'll you, have mate. to listen back. Yeah. Yes, lovely talking to you again. Yeah, Jay, uh, Justin, it's absolutely brilliant talking to you. I'm really sorry it's just me you're having to put up with. No, but, that's uh, fine. You know, the way that we've all got lives which we have to try and get Obviously, through. Obviously, yeah, no problem. And I'm disappointed I won't be seeing you at Edgebaston in, uh, yes. in June. That's very annoying. We could put our allegiances to one side and support the mighty uh, the mighty uh, army of England cricket's resurgence well, under Stokes and uh, Basball. 
I mean, they, 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 there's a possible upside to this or downside, depending on which way you look at it. Whilst you're not at the cricket, I will be in Birmingham shit-faced for about three days <laughs> in the evenings. So I might I might get hold of you and we'll grab you for a beer if I'm able to walk. Career, yeah. Well, why career. don't we could do that? We could do because we do. We will be doing that. All right, mate. Great stuff. Uh, good luck this weekend. Obviously, I hope you don't win, but uh, yes, you know, good same luck to with, you. Yeah, good luck with your progress and everything, and we'll catch up another time. Look forward to it. Lovely. There we go. Justin from Up the Villa podcast, a great friend of our show. Always lovely to talk to him. Right, we will be back very soon. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. It's part three. We've just had the wonderful uh, Justin Hawthorne from Oop the Villa uh, on Opposition View. Lovely to have him and Opposition View back. But now it's our turn to cast our eye onto the game tomorrow evening which of course is Chelsea Aston Villa and in time-honoured fashion of course uh the favorite my favorite bit of, well, it's not my favorite bit of the show but uh, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say that anyway in it but it's my team selection and my team selection is as follows Kepa I'm oh the interesting thing about this by the way um because Pulisic is not fit uh no, he, said he might he might play. well I don't think he will uh I'm 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 Assuming that, uh, well, okay, I'll, I'll give the team section and then I'll explain why. But it's 3-5-2, okay, not 3-4-3. Three, three. So you've got Kepa, Kukorella, Koulibaly, Badishil. You've got Chilwell, Fernandes, Kovacic and James. But in the middle of that, in your five-man midfield, you've got Gallagher. And then you've got Felix and Havertz up front. Now, the reason I'm having 3-5-2 is... Yes. Is because Pulisic is not fit. Sterling is not fit. Uh, Mudrik, I would have played in either of those two roles. But you're not going to get any chance for somebody nippy to run onto a counter-attack against Aston Villa because they are going to park the bus and try and catch us on the counter-attack because that's what they do. So it's fucking pointless doing that. So I would rather have people deeper who can come in and try and break them down that way. Because And of course, you've got James and Chilwell to go down the wings, which will help. But of course, Gallagher's good at getting into the box late. Kovacic is good at getting into the box late. Fernandes is getting good at getting into the box late. Won't get picked up. So that's my thinking on the three-five-two. This is not a game to basically have somebody get on the end of a long pass in space because there won't be any JK. So there you go. I commend it to the house. It's good, Chidge. It's good. It's well thought out. And it's nice to see Gallagher actually having a position that you think, yeah, he could do well there as opposed to coming on and playing winger as he did the other day, or was it Pulisic's? Centre-forward, I believe. Well, was he centre-forward? Who knows what position he was in? God knows. Um, he didn't know, tell you that. Um, uh, I love it. And also, also, Chidge, if Gallagher comes off, Kante could just go straight into that position, couldn't he? Yes. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. Um, Felix has to play. Uh, terrific player. Havertz is looking better because he's playing with Felix. Um, Cucurella was a lot better and I think will occupy that position until Silva comes back. Um, Thulabali, other than his dreadful error in the last few seconds of the game, 
Um, that's five minutes of the game. Um, obviously plays there um, with Badia Shield. Yes, Kepa um, will not be replaced by Mondi, who doesn't appear to be ever playing for us again. I don't quite understand what on earth has happened there, but perhaps his confidence has gone completely. Um, but uh, the more and more I think about it, Kepa, I don't think will be with us next season. Um, or if he is, he'll be the uh, replacement. He'll be the second goalie. Um, uh, Kova just looks to be getting better and better. He clearly was exhausted after the World Cup or something. Chilwell is playing um, out of his skin. Uh, James will get back in despite the, the tight hamstring he had for England. Um, even though James is still not quite the player that he was. Um, but uh, let's hope he turns it on against Madrid. So, Chidge, um, I agree with you completely, Chidge. Wow. Could be a, a red-letter day for your uncle Chidge. It, it is rare. That's it is a rare. rare. No, it is rare. Very well. I'm, 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 I'm gonna. In fact, I'm gonna end the show now. I'm gonna quit Guess while I'm ahead. Gonna Guess what's gonna happen? What? Guess what's gonna happen? You'll play it. He'll play cheek instead of oh, Gallagher. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or cheek instead of James. I mean, I could yes. see that happening. Yes. I could, yes. I could see the, I could see the validity. In, in not risking James. I, I, I really can see the sense in that, but uh, I still think he will. Um, who knows? Tony, what do you reckon, mate? Well, I I, I think if you're going to go 3-5-2, that's a, a great uh, a great place. I, I'm still not convinced by Cucurella yet. When I was away um, and against them um, in the second leg um, uh, against Dortmund. He was very good then. Everyone said, yeah. what an absolute belter of a yeah, game he had. He did. So, and I know he's now got a newborn son, so you don't know what's quite been playing on his mind, whether there's been uh, a worry or, or whatever, and now things, it's, you know, that he's had that um, that moment when when Rocky uh, is with his wife and she's in a coma and, and she just wakes up and she says, do me a favour. In Rocky 2, this is. And he says, if you don't want me mixing with Creed, I won't. And she says, do me one favour win and that ding and that music comes in and you get that great cinematic montage of him training and running through the streets so maybe that's what's happened to Cucurella I really hope so um, he's become a boxer yeah he's become a boxer um as, well, opposed, as, as to opposed to a poodle as opposed to being a wrestler as he was oh. against Spurs yes yeah um I, I think I think he may go fourth uh four four two I think he may Paul Gallagher, and put Trev at the back oh. as as an extra protection. I like Trev. I think he's been he's done nothing wrong as far as I can see, um, and uh, I think we've got to start getting used to the fact that Silver's not going to be around forever, um, uh, and therefore the only difference would be Gallagher not playing and um, Trev sitting somewhere either right of Kulabali or. Right of Badia Shield and Badia Badi well, Shield. I, I think I think that works if you've got yeah. if you've got you know if if you for example were having Chilwell and James as your right and left backs yeah. because you basically use them as as wingers still because yeah. you just keep two at the back and I can yeah. see the sense in, in that against a team that's going to basically defend and hang back but you've already yeah. got your width and, and attack with Ch uh, Chilwell and James in my three five two. So you don't need four at the back. Well, I mean, I suppose you, you could say you don't need three at the back if you could get away with two at the back, but you get my drift. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, 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 I wouldn't be... The only the only concern I've got over that team that you've picked there is is James does seem to be suddenly mm. picking up injuries. And we seem to have picked He's up injuries fit. again. He's not fit. He's not 100% fit. No, and I, I don't know whether it would be better off saving him... Um, well, yeah. 
for the Liverpool game, which will, which will be a far more tense uh, game, I think, because you know they they've had a bit of a shit season as well, um, uh, and I just think you, you can't help but think, blimey, you know that that's is there more on that? Because I think we're both on the same number of points, aren't we? Us and um, Villa, yeah, thirty-eight. Villa, I think so. And it, does a draw suit both teams? No, I suppose it does. Well, really, they, they they will have no problem with it, but it's no, no good for us. No, it's no good for us. But I think you know we we all know that fourth is pretty much um, buggered off. Well, and, and left, you never left know, home. but I would say so. I mean, it's an interesting yeah. point you make about Liverpool on Tuesday because I kind of wondered this. I wondered two things really that worry me. As always, I'm worried about all sorts of things about this match. But one of them is the international hangover. We we historically yeah. tend to be really shit after an international break when all the players have come back from all over the place and haven't quite got up to the speed again and all of that. The other thing, as you were saying, Tony, is, you know, will he have one eye on Liverpool on Tuesday? Mm. You know, that's a biggie, uh, one we won't want to lose. Um, no. I don't really know. I mean, he always talks a good game about, well, I'm taking one match at a time. But, yeah. of course, what we do know, both of you... Uh, is of course his team selections are very tinkeresque, and I think he does actually not tell us the truth here. And I think he he does try and give everybody a bit of a rest and a bit of yeah. a break. And I wonder if he will have a uh, an eye on that. And I also wonder again, this is to both of you to answer in in turn. But you know, the big problem of the Everton game was the substitutes and the tinkering therein. So what what yeah. what what we don't ever do in my team selection is figure out who's coming on in sixty minutes, do we? So that's for sure yeah. from now on. Mm. That, that should be part of it. Who are going to be the subs? Who's going to get on? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think I think to be fair, uh, as a you know, as somebody who's got all of their UA for coaching badges, I would say, well, I have to see what's happening <laughs> in the game, J.K. In no, order I to agree do that. I agree. So, in actual fact, it'd be foolish just naming uh, substitutes because who knows who knows who's going to get on. With I could be Eileen Drury and do it that way if you want, but uh, not. I wouldn't do it as a coach. You'd no. be Mystic Meg, uh, couldn't you? Indeed, I could be Mystic one for the teenagers there. Yes, indeed. But can I um? Can I also say he might surprise us completely by just playing uh, the same pattern he normally plays and play Mudrick? Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I think Mudrick just needs a run of games, mate. Yeah, I, I do. I yeah. agree. Yeah, I do. I, th- I think he will, his confidence will build up. And he, you know, I like his attitude. I saw an interview with him earlier this week. I can't remember where it was, but he, it just came across so well. You know, this is a young lad who I think he's going to be um, a key, key player for us going forward. He, he certainly hasn't turned up. He hasn't turned down Arsenal to come to us to fail. That's for sure. Of course, because we keep we keep forgetting some other people too, so who could probably do something. I mean, that's uh, you know, Mudawaki, Widey Wakey. Yeah. Zakaria, uh, Zakaria, yeah, but he's more of a midfielder. I'm thinking up, up, up front in the in that kind of this other the the, the other one opposed to uh, Felix and Havertz, who I think at the moment are, are nailed on starters. But Mudawaki, yeah. of course, uh, the mercurial um, uh, Ziyech, of course, is still Chelsea apparently football. at Chelsea Football Club. And there's the other guy, isn't there? Um, I don't think he's uh, going to get many many. The no, no, Fafana D. I don't think we're going to see much of him. All oh, right, yeah, that that trophy for Fafana or whatever. Yeah, yeah and, yeah. and uh, played twice in the under twenty ones and been substituted. Yeah. Oh dear. And uh, Bab- uh, what's his name? Abamyang. I don't think we'll see him again. He's always injured or broken a fingernail or off to see I his mates. He's always available. He's always available, isn't he? I just don't mm. think. I think they've made a decision not to pick him anymore. As far as I can. So anyway, we will see tomorrow. Um, J.K., are you are you worried about him doing massive changes and uh, you know 
Doing, I'm, I'm doing worried this. about him full stop, so I don't really... Uh... All right, well, fair enough. But, I mean, on on this particular point, which is... I mean, because there is a sense that he does do this, but actually, I think the reality is, in the last few matches, he's been quite... St- I mean, we've picked a few... You know, and I tend to stick with the same team if I think they're doing well. And I think he has been doing that. And, of course, he's been sticking to this three at the back, which has patently worked. You know, our upturn in form is is, is directly linked to us playing three at the back. And, and of course, Chilwell and James being uh, fit for selection. And I think it's made that has made the difference. And he can't be stupid enough, unless there's a really good reason, like, they're not fit, to change that. Mm. But I think... He can't do if he's going to make substitutions at sixty minutes, which is um, too early. I don't know. He, he surely can't. And we're, you're on top of the opposition. You surely don't change it by doing what he did and bringing on a midfielder instead of the uh, the, the swift um, attacker that he had with Pulisic, who you know, despite not setting the world alight, at least did do some dribbles at them and was somebody that they had to pay put a couple of players onto. So I, I and also it's a very different team we're playing against, aren't we? Because I mean they'll do the same as um, Everton, which is uh, defend and just just try and get us on the break. Well, they they absolutely do do this. I mean, I mean, uh, in the chat with Justin, he 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 made that abundantly clear. And I mean, Emery is not a bad manager at all. He knows his onions, um, and uh, they've got speed up front. I mean, ba- basically, since Emery came in. He's rejuvenated Villa's away form. I think they've only lost one away, and that was against City since he took over. And they've won four out of the six that they've played. Um, he's he's no, they're not letting many goals in, of course. So he's he's basically getting a tune out of Tyrone Mings, which is I thought was impossible. Um, they've got the Argentinian World Cup winning goalkeeper as their goalkeeper, and he's a bloody good goalkeeper and a nasty piece of work and a nasty piece of work. But he's a good goalkeeper. And of course, they've got Ollie Watkins up front. And Ollie Watkins, if he scores against us on Saturday, will be the first Villa player to score five Premier League goals in a row. So he's he's getting a tune out of Ollie Watkins, which they weren't really doing before. And of course, Ollie Watkins has got pace to burn. So you know, you can absolutely see them, uh, you know, keeping the ball, you know, being really well organised and solid at the back soaking up pressure, just waiting to hit us on the break when we get really pissed off with it and start chucking bodies forward and leaving holes at the back. Worries me, I have to say. Yes. Um, uh, they've got some decent players, haven't they, that he's obviously now made into a um, a much better team than they were before. So, um, uh, is, uh, does Coutinho figure much? He's not getting into the side, is he, Coutinho? Um but he's got Bailey is playing much better. Um, Cash has always been a decent player. I've always... Cash won't start. Justin doesn't think that uh, Bailey will. Oh, okay, as well. And then you've got um, does Ashley Young figure anymore? Yes, he reckons he'll play. Okay, okay. and McGinn is still very competitive. He'll play. Um, and they've got um, Bertrand Traore, who nearly always scores against us or contributes. But um, um, uh, and they've got Dino, who's pretty good. Uh, but as you say, Ollie Watkins is the is the uh, the best player they've got at the moment. He's very very, um, he should really have been picked for England. I think he was he's so excellent. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting to see what you know what how we'll deal with it, and and interesting to see whether he picks this team with the five midfielders. I think it it makes more sense to me to do that. 
Yeah. Uh, if, if they're just going to be swamping us for. Well, uh, I don't see that defensive because I see every single one of those mid- midfielders as offensive. They all like to get forward. You know, they yeah. all like to get. So I see it as if you're going to break a team like Villa down, you need to do it from deep. You do need to do it where they can't stop you. You know, and, and I think if you've got more of them in there that can do that, that bodes well. I have to say, statistically, this is a horror show. I mean, we've got an incredible record against Villa. In the last 11 Premier League games, we've only lost one and drawn one. So the, the other nine we've won. Um, but as I keep saying on this show, I think it's it's almost irrelevant now looking back at these past stats because it was a completely different Chelsea in a completely different era. And we're in new territory because we're losing to people that we should never lose to. And if I look at some other stats, we've we've won just three of our last uh, Premier League home games and drawn uh, drawn three and lost three, won three. Uh, Stamford Bridge has produced the fewest total goals, num- uh, 26, of any Premier League ground this season. They've repeated this stat. I remember the first time I noticed Flash score do this. Stamford Bridge is the only ground not to have seen a goal scored in the opening 15 minutes of a Premier League game. And of course, well, so what, Chid, you may say, well, the so what is, is that when Chelsea score early, I think it the confidence seeps through the team and we're more likely to get another one. If it takes us a whole half or more to score, we sit there losing our asses, basically. So it is important. And well, Having said that, Chid, we did play play really well in that 60 minutes against Everton. We, we did, but did we, we really score enough did. goals to bury the match? Of no, we didn't. You know, and therein lies the problem. Um, I mean, the other thing is Unai Emery's got a terrible record against Chelsea. But again, it's like that kind of same as I was saying about us against Villa. Is it relevant anymore? I, I fear not, is the honest answer. Um, historically, uh, we've played Villa. We've won 68. This is this is all games, all right, in history ever. Not just before, you know, football was invented in, in, in 1992. But uh, we've won 68, drawn 35, lost 58. But in the Premier League at home, we've won 16, drawn six and lost five. So there you go, just to dot the I's and cross the T's. So, um, J- Tony, if you're able to, to uh, give us a prediction, um, that would be lovely. If not, I'll ask JK first. But uh... No, uh, uh, Helen's in and she's just putting my uh, dinner in the oven, ready to be warmed up. Um, and the dogs have finished barking and crying. So I really, really, really think this is two teams that will either either um, play a game of chess and bore us all to fucking tears um, uh, because neither team will want to lose. So it'll be one of those tactical bloody games that I hate. I can't really remember the last time I was thoroughly entertained at the bridge. Um, I think there is some pressure because um, of the the home fans or whatever, I don't know, but something does seem to stop us coming off the leash. And I think possibly Potter is a little bit too uh, risk averse, I think, um, uh, when it comes to letting off the shackles, a bit like Southgate for England until, you know, the last couple of games. I feel they're very similar, very similar. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, if I I was a betting man, I'd be putting it on 1-1. However, what I would like to see is the a repeat of the 2007-2008 Boxing Day game where we drew 4-4, um, which was an absolute <laughs> belter of a game. I think it was the one where Frank Lampard came off after about 15 minutes and Ballack got a few jeers and whatever came on. And then within 10 minutes, everyone was going, he's not bad, is he? Who does he play for? 
oh, he's the captain of Germany, is he? Um, so I think there was a little bit of, of that. That was a fabulous, fabulous game. And we were, I think in the end, we were unlucky to draw four. Or I think they got a penalty at the end or, or something. I can't really remember it, but I know they, they scored at the, at the death. But um, I'm not sure, you know, it'll either be 1-1 or 2-1. We might get a one-goal win over them. But I don't see us keeping a clean sheet. And that's a, a sad indictment of where I see the team at the moment. And Villa apparently nearly always score at the moment as well as Justin was yeah, saying. Yeah, I, I agree with, with, with JK. Ollie Watkins is, is in a fairly rich plain, uh, vein of form and can consider himself a bit unlucky not to have got uh, a, a, a game for England. Um, you know, looking at recent, the way he's recently come on. Um, but... Uh, you know, Unai Emery, like, I think I agree with you, Chidge, as well. I mean, the guy's record in the Europa League is phenomenal, isn't it, I think? Um, I think that. Arsenal may well have been the wrong level of club for him to come in, and they were obviously always living under the ghost of Wenger there for a while, um, whereas Villa might well be the exact, almost equivalent, English equivalent of um, of Emery's... Uh, was it Seville? Seville, wasn't it, he came from? Is it? Yeah, Seville? yeah. 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 So I think he, you know, he, he may have found his his natural home in England, as it were. Um, and he was wasn't he at Valencia as well when we, when we beat them well. in the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah we, with the yellow submarines when we beat them in the uh, you know yeah. the Super Cup. Uh, so I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say, you know, my heart says one one, my head says you know four three. <laughs> yeah, you want a lot, you want a big old thriller, don't you? I, I want and I, I want to see shitloads of goals yeah. and then have people uh, with us winning 4-3 and people still moaning about our inability to keep clean sheets even though we rattled in four you know, cracking goals well good luck with that mate yeah I know that's a pipe dream yeah. we're out to dream aren't we JK I'm allowed to dream don't we're take that away from dream. me yeah <laughs> what say you JK 1-1 one, 1-1 one. One, one. Yeah, yeah it's got that feel hasn't it really cancelling each other out a bit yeah yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm going to say 2-1 because I just want to see this bloody win, really, and score more than one goal. <laughs> but I really, I, 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 I have a feeling it, 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 you see, this is the thing, you know, Justin was, was saying in, in his opposition view, you just look at us on paper and he just said, because, you know, we were talking about, you know, stranger things have happened than us winning the Champions League this season. We've got to win, well, we, we don't even have to win five games. You know, we just need to be on the right side after four of them and then win the last one. And, you know, stranger things have happened. And he was saying, well, yeah, he says, I can see it because you just look at look at Chelsea's squad. They've got some really, really, really good players. Um, um, whether we have a manager who can get a tune out of them is, is the moot point at the moment. But it just seems really odd sitting here saying, well, yeah, I think it might be 1-1. You know, that seems to be the sensible prediction. Yeah, um, we shouldn't be saying that against a team that are eleventh in the league and who are Aston Villa. We should be saying, "Oh, we should win this three 0 three one, no yeah. problem." But we're not. We're not in that place at the moment, which is very sad. But there we go. We will carry on. We will support the team, and we will hope that we do better. And you yes. never know. T- tomorrow might be the day. Stranger things have happened. Now, before we we toddle off uh, for for our Friday night, I just need to give a couple of charitable plugs. Actually. Um, as you know, the uh, the big Stamford Bridge sleepout was last Saturday, and believe it or not, it was great fun. It was uh, I didn't get I wasn't that uncomfortable actually, which I know is not really part of the part of the pr- plan, you know. But I drank enough before, 
I had some special oranges, which I can say no more about, but they were special, that's all I'm saying. And I had a Volta roll before I went to sleep, a pill, and it meant I woke up not feeling stiff. So that is the secret. But uh, amazing turnout. Everybody was brilliant. They did very well. Um, it was an uncomfortable night for many. Um, and uh, we've raised a lot of money. I think we've 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 broken our record in, in terms of what we've raised for charities doing this. Um, I personally have raised... One thousand one thousand one hundred and fifty-five pounds. You know what I thought you were going to do? Then well, I thought oh, you were going to. I thought you were going to sit and go. I personally raised one billion, billion pounds. pounds. Yeah, I wish. I wish I had, but uh, <laughs> it's not a bad effort. And of course, none of it is really down to me. It's down to the absolutely bloody marvelous, lovely people who have been so generous and donated. And they are the role of honor is Andrea Jones, Davy Miff, Pete Miller. Matthew Harris, Richard Bates, Dan Burgess, Russ from the Melbourne Supporters Club. We love Russ. Adam Lotter, Nicky Spence, Oscar T, Phil Spector, Frank Britton, Kevin C, Carefree and Yuki, Craig Jenkins, Nigel Bird, Mark and Carol Spector, Chris Mahoney, Patrick H, Damian Bush, Sean Parry, Silas Bartlett, Russell, Andrew Goldstone, Joe Mingola, Lee Beevor, Loz Barnes, Caroline Walters, Tony Skeen, David Lotzer, Carol Hope, Philip, Daryl Middleditch, Trey Bertelson, Pierre, Chad Harris, Brian Justman, and Benji. And you are all massively lovely, wonderful, legendary people. And I love you to pieces for it. Now, uh, the page will stay open for a while yet, I believe. So if anybody uh, was just waiting to see if I had the, you know, the cojones to go and sleep on a concrete floor in the cold... Well, I did. So you can now dip your hand in your pocket and donate to this if you want to. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> so justgiving.com forward slash fundraise forward slash forward slash <laughs> forward slash fund. Yeah. Forward slash fund. Freudian slip. No, the money's not going to me, honestly. Anyway, justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash David hyphen Chigi one. Or just go to, just kind of like put in the big Stamford Bridge sleep out on uh, Just Giving and you'll find the main page and you can donate to anybody you want to. You don't have to donate to me as long as you donate. Uh, the other thing is I did have a lot of fun doing my Tales from the Shed this year. Um, and we and they're all from the Come Along and Sing This Song book, which, as you know, is absolutely bloody marvellous. And uh, there are a few copies for sale, I believe, only a few. And they are on sale at the stall. Uh, tomorrow they are very likely to sell out quickly so if you I've want to... asked for one to be saved for me yeah you and you and about 100 others mate so i know it's not going to happen i know i'll be there to go sorry have you, have you got one no 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 i i, I was waiting until um, this very occasion well bloody hell uh, mark's listening mark save jk a book he has to have one it would be terrible if he didn't have one so uh, anyway, yeah, so there are a few on sale. So get down there early to the CFC UK stall and grab yourself a coffee. Copy. Now, the other thing that's going on tomorrow, uh, which JK and I mentioned on the in the post show this week, in off the post show this week, is the wonderful Chris Wright or at Chris Wright ZZ or ZZ if you prefer on, uh, on Twitter. Um, he's uh, raising money for Autism Acceptance Week, which uh, is basically running from last Monday to the coming Sunday. Uh, and on tomorrow and by the way i've just realized it's april fool's day tomorrow yes i wonder if expect this stories expect loads of bullshit stories about elves court and i don't know yeah. ground sharing with i don't know orient yeah uh, erling harland is going to be signed next season yeah anyway. yeah so next week next week even yeah so first of april uh tomorrow saturday for the villa game chris is making this retro shirt day so what he's saying is if you're going to the game or even watching it you know virtually or uh, you know on the telly at home or whatever 
to raise money for the National Autistic Society, wear a retro shirt and then take a photograph of yourself and tweet it out with the hashtag, hashtag Autism Retro Chels. But more important, you need to go to Chris's Just Giving page. Just, you know, enter, you know, uh, or retro shirt or autism retro Chelsea or a combination of that or just Chris Wright Chelsea you should find him on there it's just that his his URL for just giving is ridiculously long and I can't begin to even pronounce it alternatively just go and follow him on Twitter because he's got it pinned to his Twitter feed and it's ask at Chris Wright ZZ so uh, yeah go and donate to that because it's a I mean honestly I work in in mental health as you know and uh, you will not believe the number of uh, people that are suffering and struggling with autism that we have to see. So uh, it's a very, very worthwhile charity, one that's close to my heart. Uh, the minute this show is finished, I will be dipping my hand in my pocket and uh, and donating something for Chris. So please go and do that. So there you go. That's enough. Enough of the messages, enough pleading for charity, I promise. We're done for the week. Uh, right. Uh, all it is left for me to do is to say, bloody hell, Tony, how lovely to see you. Seems like ages, mate. I know it's brilliant, um, and I'm I'm not away again now until the, after the end of the season. I believe May the nineteenth is my next sojourn away from these shores, only down to the mobile in France. But, well, you know. I have to break the news to you that we're still playing for a good week or so after that. Oh, are we? Okay, then. Oh, well, I might be missing. The, oh no, I think I come back. I mean, the last game's Newcastle. Yeah, so be the twenty-eighth, yeah. didn't I? I think. Yeah, I come back on the twenty-seventh, so I will be at the Newcastle game, very possibly on the Rattler, so that I can have a couple of beers. Good on you, mate. And then we've got we'll have our fan cast party sometime in the summer. Indeed. We will indeed. indeed. But it's uh, good to be it's been great coming on and, and it's a lovely way to get myself back in get my football mojo back after um after being away. You you're there tomorrow. I'll catch up with you for a pint of the coffee yes. if you're up. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. So um I'll see you in the um in the usual place, I think. Lovely. I'm I'm driving tomorrow, so I won't be on the piss yeah. too much, but I'll have a I'll have a couple with you. Indeed. Uh, and uh, incidentally, J.K. and I were having a chat in, in Off the Post, weren't we, J.K.? About about, and I, I didn't get it right about how many shows we'd done. You know, I, I said yes. well, it might have been this, but it might have been that. Mm. And I said I would report back, didn't I, today with the definitive answer. So the official, unofficial number of shows that the Chelsea Fancast has done, J.K., is one thousand and twenty-seven. Wow. 1,027. 1,027. Oh, God, it's nearer than I thought, because you, you, you now deducted the... Um... I got the right number. I've taken the the Wentamo Kings Meadows out. Right. And the 50 uh... years? 50 years out? No, no, because they, 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 they I should have numbered them, and I just didn't. They contribute. Okay. 102. Um, yeah. So the 1,000th show was, I think appropriately, we saw a goal uh, on the 16th of January. <laughs> 16th of January in 2023... Yeah. And, that, and I thought that was Chelsea Fancast number 954, yeah. and we are now at 980. But uh, officially, unofficially, we're at 1,027. Are we going to be broadcasting this on social media? No, because I'm <laughs> embarrassed about what a fuckwit I am. We'll just share it with our friends who listen. Alternatively, we could wait until we get to 1,100 and then say oh, this mate. is 1,100. I've got to do another, another what, you know... 73 shows fuck's sake we can fit them we could fit them all in if we did in off the post and do specials we could fit them all in before the end of the season yeah right i think what we might do is 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 suspend disbelief and in 20 shows we'll say oh my god it's our thousandth show aren't we lovely we'll get interviews with jao felix and people yeah and, uh, 
maybe yeah. not maybe not jail fear i don't think the club like us every any very much they never let us interview players i fucking did it before i mean i wasn't rude to ramirez or or, or real romeo when i interviewed them i was the epitome of loveliness we can be trusted with players let, let us interview some players or important people at chelsea we're yes, good with ex-players aren't we so why shouldn't we go with current players Exactly. Yeah, well, exactly. You know, we we don't toe the line, mate. That's what it is. We don't. don't I think that's what it is. Anyway, uh, stop grumbling, Chigi, and stop being bitter and twisted. Um, yeah, we're going to suspend disbelief, and in twenty shows' time, we're going to say, "Wow, it's our thousandth show! Come and celebrate it with us, aren't we? Brilliant for doing a thousand shows!" And uh, and lie about the fact that it's actually one thousand and forty-seven. Okay. All right. Does that sound good to you? I love it. Good. Any excuse, any excuse for a celebration in my book. So there we go. Uh, right. OK, we have really got to go because we've been doing this one for quite a long time this evening. It's been lots to talk about. And we have the lovely Liam and Justin as well, which adds to the length, as they say. Uh, right. We will be back on Monday for the main Chelsea Fancast show with me and JK. And at the moment, mystery guest, because I haven't finished the schedule yet. Sorry, people, but I will. 7.30 kickoff as always. Looking back at the match against Villa and ahead to the match against Liverpool on Tuesday night. So there we go. JK, you look poised like a cobra. About to say I something. am cobra-like, I am. Is it cobra or cobra? That's what I wanted to ask you. I say cobra. I say cobra. There you go. Let's call, yeah, let's call the whole thing off. Indeed. indeed. <laughs> what do you want to say, old bean? No, nothing. I was just leaning forward. <laughs> you just leaning forward. <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, Tony, great to see you as always, mate. JK, lovely to see you too, as always. Yeah, uh, you lot out there, thank you for listening. See you next week. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it chills. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.